0: Hi, i'm debbie Addis thanks so much for tuning into my show america can we talk today we're going to talk truth about three stories one president trump in the united kingdom the queen the mayor and brexit two attorney general barr speaks truth democrats quake and number three why democrat house leaders are saying yes to impeachment and i'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgettes. Well, As I was walking in the studio just now, there are televisions of course outside, uh, outside the studio, and they had the running live stream coverage of President Trump. He's over in England, and he's, uh, there's a state dinner and the Queen is speaking. So what I want to talk about today in this first five is all the drama behind the scenes in London and really what it means politically. To start with, you likely heard that the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has been shooting out tweets and and other kind of pest or critical things toward President Trump, and that President Trump responded today uh, in a tweet where he more or less um, made fun of the mayor of London's height, and he said, you know, he's, he's just about as a mayor as de Blasio, only he's shorter, or something like that. But I want to talk about the serious uh, context or background uh, in this seemingly kind of petty exchange between London's mayor, Sadiq Khan, and President Trump. To start with, you may recall last time President Trump visited England that the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, actually authorized, and it happened, put a balloon in the air, like one of those big blimp things. Uh, a caricature of President Trump wearing a diaper. That was what the, you know, professional and highly respectable London mayor did. He did it again this time. Because he he or his constituents were able to raise 50,000 pounds to pay for it, they did they have this plan again to launch a balloon in the air so as president trump state visit to england speaking with uh, i'm sure teresa may members of parliament the queen the royal family will have in the air the backdrop behind him this petulant childish balloon blimp uh, featuring him a depiction of president trump uh, in a diaper on top of that What was occurring in London has occurred under the mayorship of Sadiq Khan, who is Muslim, is a rise in terrorist attacks against innocent people. In London, we have, as you heard in the show, if you happen to listen on March 28th, you can go back and listen again. We had Katie Hopkins on the show describing neighborhoods in London and outside of London that have been completely overtaken by Islamic immigrants and created what they call no-go zones. Nobody's welcome there except other people other muslims and in fact those in those areas the uh muslim majority claims that the laws of england don't apply they apply apply their own law sharia so under sadiq khan there's been a growth in terrorism london is frequently counted as the stabbing capital of the world meaning complete strangers being stabbed to death in the streets by others this coming after the isis and other islamic terror organizations urged their followers around the world to continue the jihad, to continue the attack on innocent people around the world, saying, if you can't find guns, if you can't find weapons, if you can't find bombs, use cars, use knives. So those people, those attacks in London, are happening under this mayor, who it appears uh, to many is at least legitimizing, permitting, tolerating this conduct uh, on the part of Islamic um, citizens in London. And there was actually kind of a controversy recently. There, the, uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big um, Monty Python fan, but the Monty Python kind of star of the show, John Cleese, had a tweet out recently essentially saying, London doesn't look like London anymore. He said, London is no longer an English city anymore. Due to migrants, and he got a lot of criticism. You know, the the typical left-wing criticism: "Oh, you just don't like people who don't look like you. You're talking about brown skin." And and he's like, he's still defending himself. He said, "No, I'm not. I'm talking about the culture of England, the culture of the city. It used to be friendly. Used to be engaging. We didn't have all this violence. We didn't have, you know, uh, Islamic immigrants driving cars into crowds of people in the streets, killing people in the streets. We didn't have this before." He's really talking about the culture of England, and he doesn't, he has not backed down despite being criticized. And that's what I want to get to and I'm talking about in this first five today, the heart of the issue between the representation of President Trump is going over to England, uh, representing America, and what Sadiq Khan is standing for. One more thing before I get to that. Sadiq Khan and his followers have talked about they're going to have a protest tomorrow. They plan on having a protest in Trafalgar Square. They're hoping for over 100,000 people or something like that uh, to protest against President Trump. But I want to read you what the protesters say why they are against President Trump. They are saying this is the Stop Trump Coalition headed up by Mohammed Atik. Mohammed Atik says, as the head of the Stop Trump Coalition, the UK should be turning its back on Trump's harmful and divisive politics and not honoring his agenda with a state visit. We should be standing up to normalize We should be standing up to normalizing a racist, misogynist, Islamophobic leader who is a climate crisis denier. Let me just translate in plain English: Sadiq Khan and the people protesting President Trump are just left wingers. They label anyone who dares to point out the problems created in England and London and around Western Europe due, in large part, to the conduct of Islamic refugees flooding those areas. The protesters are angry because someone's pointing out that that's happening. The protesters are angry because Trump and others, for example, Trump in America, has been saying, we have to be really careful here. We have to vet who's coming here. We can't be inviting people who believe in jihad, who believe they have an obligation under Islam to commit jihad. We have to vet them to understand what they believe in and what they think this my friends was a large factor behind the massive turnout in support for brexit in england both the original brexit vote which is now i've lost track of time two years ago maybe whenever it was and the most current battle in england where we just had like two weeks ago there were the elections uh not only in the uk but throughout western europe for representatives to the european parliament the overwhelming majority the winner that the you know headline maker was the growth of the brexit party in england people in england rejecting left wing politics people in england and other european countries trying to claim their pull their country back, claim, reclaim their country, wanting to stop the violence committed by the refugees, stop the legitimization of the violent co- violence committed by the refugees, stop the socialist mindset that heads up EU, that is, that is the, the American left's mindset too. This mindset that, wanted brexit want to pull the united kingdom out of the european union is a mindset that says we want our country back we want the control of our culture we want our values it is not about race my friends this is what the left always does in america and around the world they take the legitimate concern expressed by the average person and looking at the violence that has occurred in England and in Western Europe at the hands of the Islamic refugees moving into those areas in the last decade or more The people, the the natives of those countries are not saying we don't like people who don't look like us. They're not saying we discriminate against people because of the color of their skin. They're saying we want our culture of civility, of Western civilization, of rule of law, of the notion that nobody gets to have a no-go zone, nobody gets to decide what kind of laws apply in their particular community. They want their sense of country and culture back. This is why Brexit prevailed in the original vote. This is why the Brexit party in the United Kingdom is also prevailing, why they had such a massive turnout in the most recent election cycle, because people in England want what Donald Trump is talking about. They want the Trump idea of rejection of socialism, the return to the notion of the respect for the the cultural heritage of various countries, the Western civilization, freedom-based, not socialist uh, culture. People in England want what Trump is offering. And this is why Sadiq Khan is so bothered because Donald Trump's message now they may get, Sadiq Khan and his protesters, they may get a big crowd at Trafalgar tomorrow or whenever it's supposed to be, but it's not going to make any difference because the people in England are finally fed up and tired of being told by the leftists, leftists, same mindset as the leftists in America, the leftists in England, tired of being told by the media, tired of being told by the elected officials, tired of being told by the ruling elite class that you just have to simply put up with whatever destruction is happening to your country and your culture, that you just have to put up with it, that you shouldn't speak up. The British people spoke up, and they voted for Brexit. They spoke back in two years ago, and they, they voted to remove the uh, UK from the European Union. They spoke up again the most recent elections. And even if the mayor and the left wingers get a big protest at Trafalgar Square, the simple fact is, the elections in England tell you the story of where the mindset is of the English people. They want what the kind of ideas and energy and clarity that President Trump is bringing now. If I were his advisor, uh, probably would have said, "No, nah, I wouldn't put out that tweet about, you know, uh, how tall or not the mayor of London is." That probably, you know, wasn't that wasn't the most insightful observation, but the concept when you hear people in America, the left-wing media complaining and, "Oh, look what Trump said now. He's so embarrassing. I can't believe he made fun of the mayor of London how tall he is." Unless those people, unless the critics of Trump are also equally vociferously and repeatedly and loudly criticizing the mayor of london criticizing him for authorizing a balloon in the sky with trump in a diaper unless they're criticizing his tolerance for islamic violence unless they are criticizing his willingness after islamic violence happens to blame the culture of the country to blame england to blame the people instead of blaming the people who engage in the wrongdoing If the critics of Trump aren't equally criticizing Khan and the leftists and the the ruling elite class in England who will not listen to the people, who will not carry out the Brexit vote that they made, then they should have no right, they have no right to be heard by you or anyone in their criticism of President Trump. Trump is that spirit of just saying, I'm not letting this London mayor mock me and put up with it in silence. You know, he had a lot of other things he could have said, uh, but his concept of we're not going to let the criticisms uh, by this London mayor who has created the uh, London, the stabbing capital of the world, filled with no-go zones, filled with the uh, Islamic terror, and uh, terrorist events, not able to get the situation under control. This guy has been harmful to his country and to his city. And lots of people throughout the United Kingdom know it, even if it happens that the majority of London residents chose to elect this guy mayor and may still back him. The truth is, Trump is on the right side of history, he's on the right side of the messaging that says we need a return to law and order, to civility, to and, and to England, Trump has backed them from the start on Brexit, encouraging the UK to get out of the European Union, urging them to recognize it's okay to love your country it's okay to stand up for your country very similar to his messages here in america it's okay to say america first and that my friends is today's first five want to turn next and talk about attorney general barr um you may have noticed or a lot of people saw attorney general barr uh was in did an interview which was kind of an amazing interview he gave an interview with cbs which um probably a lot of people wonder why he was doing that, but you know, we had last week, in fact, I think we talked about it on Thursday, we played segments of the press conference that uh, former special prosecutor, or special counsel uh, Bob Mueller gave last week, where he basically laid out his, he basically begged Congress to impeach President Trump and then he, and he looked very, very nervous, by the way, doing, Bob Mueller was just a mess. He, lo, he looked like he didn't have his act together. Uh, he was sweating and nervous and doing all the kind of tells that people do when they're nervous. So Mueller gave that. And then after that, there was a lot of controversy about, well, is Mueller really getting sideways with Attorney General Barr? Attorney General Barr now has been tasked by the president basically to unmask or to release, to divulge, All sorts of documents that were created during the Mueller investigation into the fake story, the false story that was cooked up inside the FBI, making this Trump-Russia collusion allegation that has basically dominated the news cycle since President Trump, since before he was elected. So Barr has the job of digging in and finding out what happened. And he's willing to do it. Barr has the job of deciding what the public can and cannot see. So several things happened after Mueller's statement last week. There was a lot of talk about, well, you know, it doesn't sound like, like Bob Barr, the now attorney general, is on the same page with Bob Mueller. You know, this is, or William Barr, excuse me, William Barr, not on the same page with Bob Mueller. So several things happened. I want to just um, point out to you. One was this unbelievably fabulous. Um, interview uh, that uh, William Barr gave uh, on CBS and I want to play just one clip of it that I want to run through and the reason to talk about this today is this folks we're gonna talk at the end of this show today about the renewed talk about impeachment among the Democrats in the House I want to talk to you about why they're talking about that later but recognize now that all eyes in this country are on the Democrats in the House trying to figure out what are they gonna do now that the Mueller report made crystal clear that Trump did not collude with the Russians. There is no one arguing at this point that Trump colluded with the Russians. The question that the House is looking into and that is now dominating the news cycle discussion is whether or not President Trump's words or actions or failure to act in some way could possibly amount to a legitimate charge of obstruction of justice because he essentially was frustrated at being falsely accused. President Trump was being framed. And the thing is, when you're President Trump, you knew that from the start. You knew you didn't clue with the Russians. You knew that nothing like that happened. So everything about your response is coming, uh, response to this accusation and investigation is coming from that place of, I know I didn't do anything. So let me start with a little clip here. We have, I say, Attorney General Barr sat down for an interview, kind of amazing, uh, sat down, I uh, want to talk, let you hear his little clip, what he had to say in this interview. I mean, the, the interview was long. I urge you to actually listen to the entire thing this is with CBS's Jan Crawford. Hear this bar interview, and then we'll talk about it. Here you go.
2: You have testified uh, that when you met with Mueller at the Justice Department, you had that meeting that you were surprised when he told you then that he was not going to reach a conclusion on obstruction.
1: Yes, uh, Rod and I were both surprised by that.
2: Did you ask him, look, we need you to make it? A conclusion on this. You should make a conclusion.
1: I, would, I wouldn't say I really pressed him on it. I was interested in his thinking on it and he explained his position, said he was still thinking it through, and, and uh, uh, but I didn't really press him, uh, nor did Rod.
2: But you left that meeting thinking that he wasn't going to have a conclusion. That's right. Do you feel because he didn't do that, I mean, did he fulfill his responsibility as special counsel? If you look at the regulations, it seems to anticipate that you would get a confidential report uh, explaining why he made a decision to either prosecute or decline to prosecute. Uh, he didn't do that, it seems to me.
1: Right, but on the other hand, he, he did provide us uh, a, a, f- a report and what he viewed to be the relevant facts, and uh, that allowed us, as the, uh, as the uh, leaders of the department, to make the decision.
2: What's the fundamental difference why? I mean, he said that he couldn't exonerate the president, that he had looked at the ev- there are these 11 instances of possible extraction. Um, he couldn't exonerate the president. If he could, he would have stated so. You looked at that evidence, and you did. I mean, what's the fundamental difference between your view and his?
1: Well, uh, I think Bob said that he was not going to engage in the analysis. He was, he was not going to make a determination one way. Or the other, uh, and he also said that he could not say that the, the president was clearly did not violate the law, which of course is not the standard we use at the department. We have to determine whether there is c- clear violation of the law. And uh, so we applied the standards we would normally apply. Uh, we analyzed the law and the facts. and. Uh, a group of us uh, spent a lot of time doing that and determined that uh, both as a matter of law, many of the instances would not amount to obstruction. uh, As a
2: matter of law. As
1: a matter of law. In other words, we didn't agree with the legal analysis. uh, A lot of the legal analysis in the report, it did not reflect the views of the department. It was the views of a particular lawyer or lawyers.
0: Folks, this guy Attorney General William Barr, as to use one headline, to capture one headline, said, he is the Democrats' worst nightmare. Number one, he said in the course of this interview, another one, basically, you know, everybody dies. I'm, I, I'm gonna go ahead and do exactly what my job is. I'm just not worried. I'm going to move forward. I wanna tell you some of the highlights of this interview because it really gets down to him being the, being the, keeping the Democrats in Washington awake at night because they see in him a man. You just can't look at him and see him as some hyper-partisan, hysterical guy. He is the most, he has served already in our, as Attorney General. He has his reputation set. He could be, you know, enjoying retirement, going fishing, whatever it is he likes to do. But he came back solely to serve America, solely because he could see as millions of Americans can see from our seats at home that something deeply wrong happened inside the FBI. Something horrifically wrong happened inside the Department of Justice, and he's just not willing to let it go. So I'm going to share with you some highlights from this interview. I do urge you, if you go to our website, org uh, under the on the homepage under shows, you go down list of links. You can see you can see a link to this interview. You might want to listen to the whole thing or read the whole um, transcript of the interview. But I'm going to just tell you some. These are true. Uh, people, you know, overuse the expression "bombshells," but. These are serious, serious points in a serious, serious interview that Attorney General Barr made about Mueller and the Mueller report. Number one, as you were hearing him there, Bob Mueller could have reached a conclusion. He could have reached a conclusion. He did, Mueller did reach it on whether there was a conspiracy between Trump and Russia. He would not reach a conclusion as to, with respect to the charge of ha- the um Obstruction. Uh, ele- there, in fact, there's a, a first report and then a second Mueller report that goes through the possible obstruction charges, and that's where Mueller wouldn't reach a decision. And here are the things Barr had to say. Number one, Mueller could have reached a conclusion. He even said, in this interview, Barr said, even though the Office of Legal Counsel inside the DOJ says that is not legal to indict a sitting president, which is not a subtle question of law, by the way. There are, there are experts who say both things, but in any case, Office Legal Counsel said, you can't indict a sitting president. Mueller went on, to, I mean, Barr went on to say, but that doesn't stop you from reaching a conclusion about whether or not the president committed a crime. It was just Mueller was not going to go there, and he, um, and he. So Barr includes along with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein that Trump had not obstructed justice. Number two, a lot of commentary about how Mueller's statement last week, uh, when, which we played portions of on the show, Mueller's statement was, you know, essentially a thin veneer hiding begging. Congress to impeach President Trump, begging. I mean, he all but got down on his knees and said, please, 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 please indict this guy, or impeach this guy. So this conversation with uh, with CBS, Attorney General Barr got into that. And he basically did not at all like the idea, being floated around, that Mueller had essentially praised impeachment, or alluded to impeachment as the alternative to get Trump, since he, Mueller, couldn't get him he says well i'm not sure this is now bar speaking i'm not sure what Mueller was suggesting, but the Department of Justice doesn't use our powers of investigating crimes as an adjunct to Congress. Congress is a separate branch of government and they, they have processes, they have ours. He's basically saying the purpose of the DOJ's investigation was not to do an investigation for the purpose of helping Congress decide whether or not they could impeach Trump. So he's taking a shot at the attitude uh, Mueller had in his statement. He also This is, again, Attorney General Barr also saying pretty much Mueller came around to the standard of guilty until proven innocent, which he basically was saying. He you know Mueller wouldn't just say we couldn't find evidence of a crime so therefore we have to conclude not guilty just, Mueller tried to intentionally leave it out there to encourage people to still and democrats and others to still think Trump engaged in wrongdoing Bob Barr took a shot at that Mueller's guilty until proven innocent standard is not the standard that we use at the Department of Justice he says Mueller flipped the standard prosecutori- prosecutorial approach on its head very, very, that's a very critical point to make for, for um, Barr to be making about Mueller. Um, he also talked about Mueller's view of obstruction of justice. That little clip we just played Mueller's view of obstruction of justice, as reported in the Mueller report, Barr is saying in this interview, does not reflect the views of the Department of Justice. Translation in plain English. Mueller was working as hard as he could to find some reason to destroy President Trump. He was not investigating to find truth. Mueller was investigating to find a way to get President Trump. My war is not, not Attorney General Barr's, but this whole idea that there were, that he gives as an example in this interview, you know, President Trump had the right to fire um, anyone who's in his department, including James Comey. And so the idea that Trump contemplated firing James Comey cannot possibly be the basis for an obstruction charge. This is legal, this is first-year law student 101 logic, but, you know, Mueller kind of left that out there that maybe Trump obstructed justice by even considering firing Comey and then ultimately firing Comey, and and Bob Barr saying, no way. Barr also dismissed the uh, hyper-partisan complaints um, on, on many sides. He also said he was surprised that Bob Mueller, again, Attorney General Barr saying, why didn't Bob Mueller, he was surprised he didn't provide a report that was ready for release. He said, he urged Mueller to create a report that was ready to be released. And so when the report was ready, Mueller has a report is not ready for release. Too many things in it that had to be redacted under law so that there's an ongoing investigation of any kind that you have not in any way tainted that investigation. So Mueller made his report impossible to release, didn't do what at least Bob Barr thought Mueller was going to do, was create the report ready for release. so Barr had to do the four-day summary, and, and, and anyway, the interview goes on and on. I want to urge you to listen to it because what you really see in Attorney General Barr is a guy who's just saying, you know, it, it sounds corny to say. And I, I remember when I practiced law, and my husband, and I would hear people say that they just they love the law, and you know, I love, I am reverential for the idea of the rule of law. It is what saves us from being a third, you know, third-world dictatorship. It saves us from tyranny. It saves us from chaos. Bob, Barr, excuse me, William Barr, Attorney General Barr, is a guy who knows that the law matters. It matters what the law says. It matters if you follow it. It matters if you deviate from it. It matters if you lie about it. Which leads me to the next thing I wanted to mention. One big thing that's come out uh, after since the Mueller report's release is the reality that. Now that the so the Mueller report comes out, many people waiting to pounce on it, see if something in there can possibly justify getting rid of President Trump, possibly just possibly justify uh impeachment over the obstruction charge. So so that report came out, and in the report, Mueller has summarized certain things, certain conversations, certain transactions, and The argument now that's the point that's become clearer is some pieces of the Mueller report were written in a way that were not honest, that were deceptive, that were in in, that were designed to encourage the Trump haters and never Trumpers to think, wow, you know, this is really great. Look what Mueller is saying here. They left out key significant things in the report that put the information that was in the report into a more honest context. I'm going to give you one example that has been been, uh, widely talked about. So there was um, a uh, voicemail. There was a message. This was in the Mueller report, a message between uh, the president's attorney, so President Trump's attorney, John Dowd. and the message was to the attorney for Michael Flynn. This is from November of 2017. So Flynn's been indicted. Flynn's decided he's going to get some do some plea, I guess. So the point is, the Mueller report uh, cherry-picked items from the voice message and from the follow-up message the next day to give the false picture to someone reading the Mueller report that the report was Saying or proving or implying that Trump's lawyer was unduly uh, interfering with Flynn with the investigation about Flynn, it was giving rise to an obstruction argument. But the Mueller report left out significant facts about that voicemail between the president's attorney and Flynn's attorney, and then the call back the next day. Um, and it, you know, so the attorney, of course, Flynn's now just Flynn's lawyer is out there saying this is terrible, but. The quick things about it, and I know these get in a little bit of detail, but it matters to understand. If you need a summary point, the Mueller report deliberately contorted and misled the reader of the report about conversations that they are claiming support the obstruction charge. They left out important stuff that would cause a reader to reach a different conclusion. So the voicemail, on November twenty-second, um, this the the call had to do with uh, Flynn, um, Michael Flynn, deciding to withdraw his joint defense agreement with Trump. So Flynn's attorneys returned the call the next day. Flynn's attorneys told the special counsel that the president's counsel was indignant and vocal in his disagreement. Disagreement. So Trump's attorney is saying to Flynn's attorney, you know, really disagree with your idea that you're going to pull Flynn um, out of the Joint Defense Agreement and Flynn's got to do that to make his plea. But what was left out, so so you get the impression, oh you see there's Trump interfering, Trump obstructing. But what they left out of it was the next the call the next day. Dowd, this is, again, they have access to, and only reason we know all this is was, was finally a judge ordered them to release the entire transcript. So Mueller's, or whoever wrote the Mueller report, you know, Andrew Weissman's another character involved writing all this, uh, that left out the key facts of number one, the very next day, conversation, Dowd, the lawyer for Trump, expresses sympathy in his voicemail. Um, He's, uh, and in fact, the the response back has other things going on. I understand you can't join the joint defense. That's one thing. On the other hand, talking about other things leaves out that the whole conversation had other points to it. And also, there was an argument in there that the... uh, that somehow Dowd, the president's attorney, was trying to get Flynn's attorney to give him a heads-up that and in, in get inside information he wasn't supposed to have. So, uh, the report selectively removed the fact that the president's attorney, Dowd, premised his request for a heads-up from Flynn's attorney with a request that they do so, quote, without you having to give up any confidential information. The point is, if this is too much detail, I'm sorry, but the point is that the President's counsel uh, and his phone call to the um, uh, to Flynn's attorney was grotesquely misrepresented in the Mueller report causing someone to read it to reach a false unfair conclusion about whether um, President Trump had um, had been unduly pressuring Flynn's attorney that might somehow rise to the level of obstruction. There's so much more of, about all of this, and I, I, we're probably going to keep talking about it. In fact, next week, I think we're going to have on Sydney Powell. She's probably the nation's leading expert attorney on, or she's one of them. She's been uh, testifying. She's been uh, giving lengthy interviews in all national media, just talking about how egregious the FBI and the Department of Justice conduct was in this entire investigation. So we're going to hopefully have her on next week. I know I'm interviewing her at another event Uh here in Dallas, but I'm hoping to get on the show too and have her run through this with you, but I want to leave you with this point about this, um, what's happening with Mueller. Mueller report, Spygate, et cetera. The Democrats in this country thought from the moment President Trump won that they would be able to get rid of him because they did not like him, because they didn't want him to win, because they wanted Hillary to win. They thought that all that the Department of Justice had cooked up During the campaign and after President Trump won and the ongoing alleged Trump Russia collusion investigation was ongoing, the Democrats thought that they had a way to remove President Trump. They thought they had it. That's they and they have been the Mueller report greatly disappointed many people in the Democrat Party, many in the American left, many in the in the left wing media in this country, which is most of the media. They thought Mueller would come up with something that would essentially prove or give at least serious serious evidence of Trump-Russia collusion, but there's nothing there, nothing. So now they're left with, can they argue that some things President Trump did, said, didn't do, didn't say, whatever, any things that he did or said, could they somehow be characterized as sufficient to prove obstruction of justice even though you he was falsely accused even though he knew he was falsely accused he knew he was being framed and there's a whole lot more of this story I'm not going to get time today to talk um, talk to you about this but I'll, I'm going to come to it maybe later in the week or on Thursday or next week but um, there's a lawsuit that's been filed um, that is truly eye-opening Svetlana Lokava a Russian woman has filed a lawsuit and she's filed it against this alleged Stefan Helper and three other media giants. Essentially, she's filed a lawsuit to, she's complaining about she was defamed and mistreated. But her larger point in the lawsuit is it begins to open the door, begins to, you know, uh, push back the curtains, the veil, and show us how the Trump-Russia collusion stuff got cooked up inside the FBI, what kind of conduct the FBI engaged in, what they had to do to try to get Trump through this. All, in fact, it lays out, uh, you know, different steps they took to try to set her up to frame her. She's suing them, I'll tell you more about her, but the bottom line of all this is that this is a time when we cannot have the people go weak-kneed on our side. We cannot have anyone in Washington go weak-kneed, especially the Republicans. It won't be Trump going weak-kneed, but we can't have the Republicans going weak-kneed, just saying, well, you know, we maybe we can let this whole thing go. Let, let's, you know, this is, uh, okay, we're done. In fact, Geraldo Rivera, my last point in this topic today, Geraldo Rivera proposed a compromise on air that would essentially say the Democrats would drop impeachment, drop impeachment talk if Attorney General Barr will drop his probe into what happened inside the FBI and Department of Justice. Now, Geraldo Rivera, is not an elected official, he's not a spokesman for anyone except Geraldo Rivera. He was immediately and widely chastised, frankly, by both sides, because on the left, people just want anything they can to get impeachment to happen, and on the right, you have people who are just saying, after all that the attorney general, all that the DOJ and FBI did to President Trump, after his entire cooked up, framed up, Russia-Trump collusion thing, you think we're going to drop that? Not find out what happened, not hold people accountable? No way. But that, that thought, Geraldo's floating out there, and I know I've talked about in the show before, but it will continue to be floated. People saying, well, okay, you know what? So the Dems didn't get their way. They couldn't get it. So let's just drop this all and move on. We cannot agree on this particular topic to just move on. Cannot do it. And my final topic for today, since I've been mentioning impeachment, I just want to mention a couple of serious, serious thoughts about the idea of impeachment and what the Democrats are up to. I have a clip. Uh, In fact, I think my incredibly wonderful producer, Matt, has a clip ready. Um, But this is a clip of House Majority Whip James Clyburn and um, he was uh, on CNN's Tapper show, which I'll just tell you about. But about a week ago, he was also interviewed, and this is what Clyburn had to say about impeachment, the idea of how the Democrats think about impeachment, the Democrats inside the U.S. House. Here you go.
1: JOINED NOW BY A TOP MEMBER OF THE HOUSE DEMOCRATIC LEADERSHIP, it's Congressman Jim Clyburn. He's the House Majority Whip, and as I said, It actually is his job to know where every member stands on every single issue, at least the Democratic side of the aisle. Congressman Clyburn, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I don't know about every member,
2: but I'm comfortable. (laughs) I hear you.
1: I hear you. Well, let me ask it this way. Um, If you did a secret ballot among the Democratic caucus, yes or no on impeachment, what would the majority likely be? Oh, the majority would be no.
0: Okay, he went on to say basically where we are now, the majority is no. A week later, he was on, he the same guy, Clyburn was on, Jake Tapper, CNN, just saying that they, the Democrats inside the House, are moving slowly. They want to make sure they have all their pieces in place, all their ducks in a row, blah, blah. They're, they basically, he's, he's not saying they don't want to impeach Trump. He's saying we have to be sure we have everything in place before we do it. And I just want to talk to you about their motive and then what impeachment is really supposed to be about. The Clyburn and other Democrat leaders are scared to death about what Attorney General Barr is going to uncover happened inside the FBI, inside the Department of Justice, with respect to cooking up, framing the president. They're very concerned about key players, who key Democrats, probably people in the House and Senate who were at least aware, if not complicit, and the Democrats are worried that that is going to hurt them once America figures out when because Barr exposes it through his investigation that and once all of the underlying documents are released which President Trump has authorized Barr to release all the Mueller documents the Democrats are worried that America is going to see how corrupt the FBI and, D- and Department of Justice were and how corrupt really the Democrats were not going along with it They are going, they're worried. So, they are working to time, they're working to time this impeachment proceeding to capture the headlines at a time when most of America ought to be reading what really happened inside the FBI and Department of Justice. They want to divert America's attention from what Barr is going to release by bringing impeachment at a time when we're otherwise should be figuring out their, what, the, what really happened. This is a very intentional plan. This is, a, this is a coordinated strategy. It's not happenstance. So that's the first point. Clyburn, and I'm not blaming him personally or attributing that to him personally, but the Democrat mindset is, if, if nothing else, endlessly strategic they aren't just pursuing truth they're pursuing get this impeachment thing out there when we can the second problem the democrats have is that from the time of president trump's candidacy to his victory in november 2016 up until today the democrat party has had countless democrat statements leaders from uh, members of the house and senate party leaders leaders in the states around this country democrat leaders who have stirred up hate against President Trump, stirred up anger, and assured voters that somehow they will get President Trump out. They cannot just drop this. They wouldn't take the deal that Geraldo wanted anyway, but they can't drop it. They have promised their extremely ill-informed, low-information voter base that somehow they'll get Trump. There's a lot of voters out there who think they ought to get Trump because, you know, we think he's racist or xenophobic or homophobic, or because he's, you know, he's um, too harsh in the way he speaks about people, or because they don't like his hair color, or they don't like his tan, they don't like his manner of speaking. There are people in this country who simply don't like Trump and they have no no sense of what the standard of impeachment really is. All they know and these are people the democrat leadership have worked up into a hysterical ignorant lather against President Trump for almost 2 years now for over 2 years now. This democrat effort uh, also fed by the uh, mainstream media To get ignorant Americans to think that Trump needs to go simply because they don't like him and that impeachment is the vehicle to that, this is a problem that Clyburn and the Democrats in the House have because you can't impeach a president because you don't like him. Or because you think that even though he was duly elected, he's not legitimate. Or because you think he's one of the, uh, you believe in the accusations endlessly flung his way from the left or from the media. Those are not grounds for impeachment. The impeachment standard set forth in the Constitution essentially requires high crimes and misdemeanors. Or to be more precise, uh, you can be impeached for a conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. The Democrats have nothing all they have is the hope they can somehow twist and contort President Trump's determination to stand up against a false accusation and cause that to be characterized and believed to be obstruction of justice. And just so we're clear, I'm gonna talk another day about more about impeachment. I gotta wrap up here, but on impeachment, the House can hold a hearing anytime. And in the House, it's simply a majority vote it's not two-thirds it's a majority vote. So, house can hold they have a majority of, of democrats right now i mean in the house it's a democrat majority and if they could get that majority to go along with impeachment that they can get impeachment but second point is that's not removal it's just impeachment the removal part would go or of the whole process will go over to the senate and then the senate they have to have an actual trial on the charges of the House levied against the president. And on the Senate side, you have to have two-thirds majority in order to remove the president. The final legal point I'm making on this today, but I'm going to come back and talk about this more, because impeachment was thoroughly considered by our founders. It is, this is a grotesque misuse of the idea of impeachment, what the Democrats are talking about today. Well, I'll plant this last seed before I turn to why this matters to you that Alan Dershowitz, the harvard lawyer the you know eminent harvard lawyer law professor who is now hated by the left cuz he speaks truth he said this past week in an interview that if the removal were to occur an impeachment even removal were to occur and it did not meet the constitutional standard the supreme court would potentially have jurisdiction to overthrow the impeachment decision by the House and Senate and it's really a protection of upholding the Constitution and the rule of law to say if you have a politically partisan hysterical majority in the House and and supermajority of two-thirds in the Senate and they remove a president but the standard of law wasn't met The Supreme Court still has a say in whether removal can occur. And now, my very fine friends, in the final little segment, I want to talk with you about why all this matters to you. Trump in the United Kingdom, why it matters. Ignore the mainstream media. I didn't even get to the story of nasty, but Trump was misquoted and, and, you know, made into an accusation. But anyway, mainstream media stage UK demonstrations. The UK needs to be bucked up by us. Brexit voters in the UK are aligned with Trump voters in America. Preserving sovereignty and culture are top priorities. The ruling class is defiant and they won't listen. And by the way, M-16 was in on Spygate. God understand that piece too. Trump is re setting and rebuilding this important alliance. He's on the right track with England. Number two, Attorney General Barr, CBS interview. I cannot urge you strong enough to either listen to it or read the transcript. Barr knows, I'm just, this is my view. Barr knows what happened in Spygate. And DC, the Democrats and the people in the FBI and the DOJ, they know that Barr knows. Barr is a throwback to the day when the FBI and the DOJ were respected and followed the rule of law. This is why the D.C. insiders fear Barr because he's a man of integrity who does not care what they think. Final slide, please. Clyburn on impeachment, why it matters to you. The Democrats have fed lies to their followers and now their followers are out of control. The Democrats can't control them. The Democrats have lied to their voters. Trump invited Russian interference in the election. No, he didn't. Trump, as a Russian agent, a traitor, no he's not, and Trump stole the election, overwhelmingly proved he did not steal it. All of this disproved by Mueller, who the Democrats thought was going to be their hero, was going to save them from Trump. All of it disproved by Mueller. The Dems are rabid, their base is rabid. They can't process this truth. So they're increasingly incoherent. And I'll wrap this up by saying this. The Democrats are increasingly incoherent because they are afraid in 2020 of facing the voters. They have lathered up into hysterical, ignorant anger against Trump if they don't impeach him. But on the other hand, they don't have any basis for impeachment. And many, many people on both sides of the aisle already know this and they're really in a bind deciding what to do. I'm Debbie Georges. This is America Can We Talk. Thanks for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Talk to you tomorrow.
1: America, can we talk truth about America?